Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So I'm considering on my Fox show this weekend doing a most humiliating media moments of the last few years. I mean, it's just they're everywhere. The Covington kids, the collusion hoax. And now another story broke. Yes, broke. And I, believe me, I'm using the term broke loosely in uh, hack media terms. The Hunter Biden email story, Politico, finally acknowledges that those emails could be authentic. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Welcome. We've only known about this for months, you dunces. But I'm going to go over how this started and where we are now. I've got that. Another really bad study for the lockdown specialist coming out of the Journal of the American Medical Association. It'll probably only be minutes before this is taken down, but I want you to show this to the school closure mask brigade too. Uh, let's get right to it today. I got that. And I also have a what if question. Remember those old Marvel comics? What if, you know, what if, uh, what if Bucky hadn't died in the Captain America series? I got a what if for you. I want to ask you. I think it's important. Made me think of something yesterday. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, Joe, let's go. All right. There you go. Yeah. Heck yeah. Hey, so um, the anatomy of a disinformation campaign, and there are many of them. The Hunter Biden story, which conservative media has known about for months, the emails, the big guy that Hunter Biden was pursuing a deal with the uh, what the, what's been noted in media reports as a Chinese spy chief, according to Hunter's own words, um, that Joe Biden was part of that deal. In other words, Joe Biden was bought and sold, was attempting to be bought and sold Joe Biden and his access by his son and his family. Joe Biden is corrupt. Joe Biden's been corrupt for a long time. Everybody knows that. Now, shocker, Politico's coming around and saying, whoa, look at this. That story you warned us about months ago, that big tech block because we wanted to rig the 2020 election by making sure bad information about Joe Biden didn't get out there. That story may be true. This, Listen, I don't, there's no celebratory lapse to be taken here. This is only bad news. But regular listeners to the show, and Joe, listen, you can attest, you've been with me from the beginning. I've said this often. Here's what the media does. When a story could have political ramifications for their left-wing gods, the media will hide it. In other words, the whole Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, or corrupt story was going to damage Joe Biden. So the media, who are left-wing hacks and goons, they hid the story. The media knows, however, over the long run, that they are going to have to acknowledge that a factual story is true. They have to. I, folks, they have to do it. Because history will look back and is going to mock them. So what they do is, when the political consequences of the story are over, and they think Joe Biden won, what happens? Then all of a sudden they come around and they acknowledge the story is true. It's right here in front. Do you get it? You get how they do that? You say, well, Dan, why do they ever have to acknowledge it's true? Because it is. The FBI is investigating the case. Now we have other foreign governments acknowledging uh, acknowledging that Hunter Biden's emails are real. And the media wants to try to pretend it wasn't on the wrong side of it. Oh, look, look, we came around later on. Nonsense. You waited for the political consequences to be over. That's the only reason why. It's happening right here. Here's the anatomy of a disinformation campaign. First, the intel community leaks a bad story. Second, the media repeats it. Third, isolate people from the truth. You got it? Leak, repeat, isolate. Leak, repeat, isolate. That's how they hammer conservatives. Intel leaks from the intel community. Media repeats it. Isolate people from the truth. Here's how it happens. Look back at this. Natasha Bertrand, noted PP tape hoaxer, one of the worst. I, I'm, folks, listen, I don't know this woman at all. She is based on her history of promoting disinformation and misinformation, easily discredited stories. Natasha Bertrand ranks up there as one of the worst, most destructive journalists in America. She will promote any piece of disinformation she thinks benefits her, uh, her uh, liberal masters, right? Here, Politico, back in October of 2020, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former Intel officials say. You get it? You see it? Step one. 
get an intelligence official inside the government to leak a totally fake story that Hunter Biden's emails about his dad working with the Chinese, uh, you know, spy chief, that the dad was going to get 10% Joe Biden. In other words, being bought off by the Chinese government. Remember those emails? Tony Bobolinsky, the business partner, saying, yeah, Joe was in on all these deals. Remember all that? Well, the intel community, uh, people in the intel community, had to protect Joe Biden. So what do they do? They leak to useful idiot imbeciles in the media who are more than eager like dogs to lap up misinformation that benefits their, their, their liberal masters. Natasha Bertrand is always at the top of that list. Always. Always. Her, Goldman, Savage, all of them. They will, uh, Fusion, Ken Delanian. They will do anything to promote misinformation. All they need is a little leak. So leak, Intel leak, repeat it. Bertrand did it in that piece in October. Now, the isolate part comes, isolate people from the truth comes up next. But I want you to see here now, Politico, now it's September 21st, what's well, the 22nd? This was yesterday, September 21st, 2020. When you can see right here in Politico. Sorry, I'm just excited about this story. Uh, not because it's qualitatively good, but because it proves the point and it's such an evident example of the scheme you need to be aware of in the future. Leak, repeat, isolate. Once you're aware of it, you'll know to cut it off in the beginning. Now, Politico, now that the political consequences are over, the election's over, and they got Joe Biden into the White House, now Politico decides, okay, man, we got we to gotta salvage our reputation. So we better publish the fact that, yeah, that Hunter Biden story that we said was Russian disinformation, yeah, it was probably real. You see? Look, here it is right here. Politico playbook. Double trouble for Biden. September 21st, 2021. Here you go. Scroll down. The story we told you was true about Hunter Biden's laptop. We had the receipt, folks. He left it in a laptop repair store. We had the receipt. Yeah. We have the receipt right here. We've had it forever. That's Hunter Biden's signature, Hunter Biden's phone number. It was Hunter Biden's laptop. The emails were obviously his from the start. Only idiots thought otherwise. Now Politico comes around because there's no political consequence to that for them, right? They think they got Joe Biden into white. He's locked in now. We're good. Now we can report the truth. So they're reporting on this new book by Ben Schreckinger. And it finds evidence, uh, quote, that some of the purported Hunter Biden laptop material is genuine. Oh, gee, we get Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis diehards. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party including two emails at the center of last October's controversy. I thought that was Russian disinformation. It goes on. A person who had independent access to Hunter Biden's emails confirmed he did receive a 2015 email from a Ukrainian businessman thanking him for the chance to meet Joe Biden. That's his dad. The same goes for a 2017 email in which a proposed equity breakdown of a venture with Chinese energy executives included the line 10 held by H for the big guy. This person recalled seeing both emails, but was not in a position to compare the leaked emails word for word to the original. Folks, emails were real the whole time. They were selling access to Joe Biden. Hunter Biden and members of his family were selling access to the dad who appears to have been a willing participant in an international corruption scheme. The emails were real the entire time. You want to argue about a rigged election? You rigged the election, the media. You kept this information to the public in conjunction with Intel people who leaked you obviously BS information. Oh, those emails aren't real. The Russian disinformation. You knew the entire time what you were doing. You knew it. The political piece goes on. This gets even worse for them. Emails released by a Swedish government agency also match emails in the leak cache of Hunter Biden emails. And two people who corresponded with Hunter Biden confirmed the emails from the cache were genuine. While the leak contains genuine files, it remains, they got to throw this in there, Joe. It remains possible that fake material has been slipped in. Of oh, course yeah. it does. That has nothing to do with the genuine emails. That's another one of Politico's BS head fakes to try and take the edge off what they're reporting, you know, six months too late. It goes on. Background. A former Hunter Biden business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, said last year that the 10 held by H email was genuine and referred to plans for Hunter to hold equity in the venture for his dad, by the way which did not get off the ground. Biden's campaign said he never considered going into business with his family. Okay, Biden's campaign said it. No, no need to entertain that any further, folks. Now, 
What makes this story even more disgusting, and this is such clear evidence of how the intel community colludes with liberal jokers and clowns, useful idiots in the media, and then big tech cuts you off from the truth. This story is that this is the tip of the spear, the top of the totem pole of how this is done. Margot Cleveland, who is terrific at The Federalist, wrote about this in August, about how the FBI knew this was real. Here's the piece, exclusive. FBI knew of Hunter Biden's missing laptop as early as December of 2019. December of 2019, the so-called intel community, which the FBI is a part of, knew these emails were genuine. They knew it. Again. Folks, the FBI, we need to seriously consider disbanding the FBI. Even the Wall Street Journal, which is a very centrist uh, newspaper, journalism outlet has an article today I'll hope to get to at the end. Well, it's real simple. It's titled Abolish the FBI. It's just a disaster. Here, from the Margot Cleveland piece. Keep in mind, this was written in August. This was written last month. It says the FBI knew as early as December of 2019 that Hunter Biden believed the Russians had stolen his laptop, which he believed made him vulnerable to blackmail because of compromising evidence on the laptop combined with his father's presidential ambitions. This explosive revelation establishes that either Joe Biden lied to the American people or the intelligence community lied to him. Leak the story from the intel community. Get useful idiot morons in the media to repeat it and get big tech to cut off people from the truth. Now, they were protecting Joe Biden, the FBI. It's clear at this point they were doing that. This is the clearest example we have yet of election interference in the 2020 election. The clearest example yet. They were protecting him. Now, I want you to remember, remember the FBI and the CIA, they're all part of the intelligence community. I want you to remember this warning from Chuck Schumer on the Rachel Maddow show. Chuck Schumer, who is the uh, Senate majority leader, who's been in uh, Congress or the Senate for most of his adult life because he doesn't have any real life skills. So Chuck Schumer knows the system. Chuck Schumer said this to Rachel Maddow about the intel community when she asked him a question about Donald Trump taking him on while he was still a candidate. Remember this? You take on the intelligence community. They have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. Oh, they sure do. They have a number of ways of getting back at you, don't they? That was said right during Trump's campaign, the first campaign. Leak the story, have useful idiots repeat it, and have big tech isolate people from the truth. Now, here, you want to see the repetition here? How useful idiot lemmings in the media repeated this story that the Hunter Biden emails, we had the receipt, folks. We had the damn receipt for the laptop. The FBI knew these were real. You want to see the media repeating the totally made up fabricated story with not a shred of integrity to it that the emails were Russian disinformation, which is obviously employed by the intel community to rig the election and clear the way for Joe Biden. Let's go to the usual suspects, folks. Here's CNN here parroting the fairy tale. Check this out. Serious questions tonight about whether the Russians are using Rudy Giuliani to interfere in the U.S. presidential election. CNN senior national security correspondent Alex Markward is joining us. Alex, there are fears that what Giuliani is now pushing here in the United States could actually be part of Russia's latest and very massive disinformation campaign in the U.S. presidential election. Massive indeed, Wolf. We do know that it's a very active Russian campaign. That's according to the U.S. intelligence community and that Rudy Giuliani already had open contact with a person that the U.S. has called an agent for the Kremlin. Now, we are being told by two people who've been briefed on uh, what the FBI is doing, that they're looking into whether these unverified emails about Hunter Biden that were published earlier this week by the New York Post about his business dealings in Ukraine and China are part of this bigger Russian disinformation effort in the 2020 election. Now, those efforts, according to the intelligence community, are to denigrate the Biden campaign and the former vice president in favor of President Trump. Notice how these total douche canoes repeat this nonsense like the dipwads they are without ever entertaining the idea that the emails could in fact be genuine because we had the darn receipt. 
Notice how they do that. They repeat without any scrutiny whatsoever intelligence community talking points that these emails could be Russian disinformation without ever entertaining the possibility that Hunter turned over the laptop. It's Hunter's signature on the laptop receipt. The FBI has the laptop. It's highly likely those emails are genuine. They just repeat the talking points on the air. Again, like the useful idiots they are. I used to respect these people, including Wolf Blitzer years ago. He was, he was a decent guy to me on CNN. That's all lost now. I'm telling you, these people are just, they've disgraced themselves in the country. They are the enemies of truth. They are. We can't agree on a common set of facts in a country. How do we have a prosperous society going forward? We can't even agree that the emails that no one's denied are real are real. Here's another two dunces here. I want you to pay special attention to Fusion Ken Delanian here. Ken Delanian, um, she, he is actually up there with Natasha Bertrand. is one of the lead PP tape hoaxers. An embarrassment, not just to journalists, but to his family, to the country, to the cosmos. This guy's a disgrace to humankind. He has single-handedly promoted more disinformation and misinformation than I think any journalist out there, with the exception of Bertrand. He's in the back pocket of Fusion GPS. Fusion GPS played him like a fiddle with this whole PP hoax because he wanted to be played because he's a moron. Here's MSNBC and uh, what is it? Katie Tour, who's just, she's just playing clueless. So forget her. And Ken Delaney, who knows exactly what he's doing. Again, parroting the Russian disinformation part of, without ever entertaining the idea that the emails could be real. Check this out. New York Post story that dropped like a bomb last week, seemingly implicating Hunter and Joe Biden, continues to wither under scrutiny, not really dropping like a bomb. The emergence of these emails, texts and videos that were supposedly left on a laptop in Delaware, a really fishy story, whether that was actually the product of a foreign intelligence operation. And obviously, Russia would be the chief suspect there. Look, there are so many questions about the provenance of this material. A lot of it does look legitimate. There are pictures of Hunter Biden. There are videos, there are emails, but we have no idea, and neither does the New York Post, whether any of it was doctored or forged or faked. And that's why the mainstream news media has declined to really touch this story, um, because it just lacks credibility. And uh, the fact that it appeared in the New York Post and that they chose to report on it extensively um, sort of says a lot about where we are in 2020 as opposed to 2016, when a lot of news organizations reported on emails that had been hacked by the Russians. Uh, Democratic emails and then leaked and they were newsworthy and people reported on them. We're in a much different situation now because we now know that Russian disinformation or foreign disinformation or even this, you know, campaign disinformation period is as dangerous to our democracy as anything exposed in these emails. This guy's disgusting. He's human filth. This is a really grotesque human being. He has promoted. He has done such damage to the country. This guy that the fact that he's still employed is just deeply disturbing. This man has done really immeasurable damage to the United States of America. He is a documented buffoon. You can see he's been a liar repeatedly. Notice what he says there, too. That, yeah, we can't report on these Hunter Biden emails because we have no idea that they're genuine. And then he goes on to report about a Russian disinformation allegation from the intel community that has no backing at all. He has no idea whatsoever that that Russian disinformation charge has any backbone to it all. But he reports on that because he's a liberal goofball a-hole. That's why. That's why. A disgrace to humankind and anyone who knows him. He has promoted so much misinformation and disinformation. He has done incalculable damage to this country. And yet people still take him seriously. He won't apologize for any of that. Any of it. I'm going to get to next the, uh, the third part of how an anatomy of a disinformation campaign works. Intel community leaks negative information. Morons in the media like Delanian and Bertrand repeat it. And then three, you got to cut off people from the truth. And that's happening right now, even still. <sighs> Frustrating. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. 
And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals and a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. So it's not good enough to leak false allegations and have dunces and useful idiots in the media repeat it endlessly, even though they have no evidence and no idea that those allegations are true. You have to use your big tech goons to isolate people from the truth. Now, remember, when the Hunter Biden story broke before the election in the New York Post, uh, the media and their big tech uh, communist allies knew they had to protect Joe Biden at all costs and rig the election because that's what they do. So here was a known Democratic operative who got hired at Facebook, a guy by the name of Andy Stone. He actually put this out on Twitter. Here's his actual tweet. Hat tip Glenn Greenwald for putting this out again. These are his highlights. Andy Stone said about the Hunter Biden story in the New York Post before the election, this Democrat operative now at Facebook says, while I will uh, while I will intentionally not link to the New York Post story, I want to be clear that the story is eligible to be fact checked by Facebook's third party fact checking partners. <laughs> That's hilarious. In the meantime, we're reducing its distribution on our platform. So just to be clear. The fact checkers, which would have actually been useful if they were genuine people and not total life losers, right? If they would have fact-checked the story, they would have found out it was real and the story would have gone forward. But because Andy Stone and the Democrats communists at Facebook, Twitter and elsewhere, again, had to rig the election and make sure the Hunter Biden story didn't get out there. What they did is they sicked a bunch of fact-checkers who were really Democrat operatives to delay the story's distribution, waited till after the election. And now you'll get someone, not a fact-checker, say it's true. This is how disgusting these people are. Fake book tried to rig the election. So did Twitter. Not tried. They did. They successfully stopped distribution of a hugely damaging story that Joe Biden, they were selling access to Joe Biden to a nuclear powered enemy, the United States. Here's this, uh, this filth at Twitter, Jack, who runs that platform, CEO of Twitter with his goofy beard, trying to be, uh, he's trying to be like bohemian and deep. The guy's a loser. He's a piece of garbage. Here's Jack at Twitter, right? Here's Jack admitting to Senator Ron Johnson that he had no idea that the Hunter Biden story was false, but they just stopped it anyway. And then he says, oh, it's because of a hacking policy, which is interesting because the emails weren't hacked. Hunter Biden gave his laptop to a guy. They were not hacked. Here's the receipt for the 15,000th time. And then when asked, how did you know they were hacked? This moron Jack doesn't have a doesn't have an answer for that either because he's a moron with a big beard trying to be knee deep in the bohemian cash. Look at this idiot. Check this out. Do any of you have any any inspiration whatsoever? They're not authentic or that they are Russian disinformation. Mr. Dorsey, we we don't. You have no. So so why would why would you censor it? Why did you prevent that from being disseminated on your platform that is supposed to be for the free expression of ideas and particularly true ideas? We believed it fell afoul of our hacking materials policy. Uh, we judged in the well, moment. But what evidence did it was hacked? They, they weren't hacked. We, we judged in a moment that it looked like it was hacked materials. You were wrong. Surfacing, and, and we updated our policy and our enforcement within 24 hours. This is supposed to be some tech genius. Beard guy. He's supposed to be some tech genius. And his answer, as Guy just pointed out, is, hey, uh, Ron Johnson asked him, how did you know it was hacked? Well, it looked like it was hacked. How did it look like that? How exactly does an email look like it was hacked? How exactly does that happen? Is there a label? This is a hacked email. How did he know? The answer is he didn't know that. Jack is a moron. And I'll say to you personally, Jack, listen to me. Look, eyeballs here. I don't use your, but my team uses it. Ban us today. I don't care. Wipe us out. Delete my account. I'm daring you to do it. That's how little I care about you and your garbage. I let my team use it. That's it. I post over on Parler. Ban us. Ban us. That's how little I think of you. I think your platform is filth. I think you're filth. I think you're a Democrat operative. I think you tried to rig the election successfully. I didn't try. You did a do or do not Yoda style. And you got caught. And you should resign in disgrace. But you have no dignity. You have no dignity. You only have a dopey looking beard. 
superficial idiots like that. Let me grow a beard, put a nose ring in, and maybe I'll look serious. You look like a moron. Yes. You look like a moron. I'm not knocking either people with nose rings. I know people with nose rings are a thousand times smarter than you. I'm knocking superficial morons who are less than a millimeter th thick. They have no character and dignity at all. And to compensate, they do stupid things to themselves, like growing really long beards to look like fake tough guys. I can't even grow a beard, so I shouldn't talk. I have, I'm sure I know, but this doesn't work. My dad had a beard. I can't, Joe. I have like the worst facial hair ever. <laughs> me, me too, But dude. this guy's a disgrace. Let me look serious with my beard and my nose ring. You're like a jerk. Loser. All right. Why am I so hot on this today? Well, the Hunter Biden story obviously broke, again, air quotes, yesterday because we broke it months ago. But it's happening again, folks. Again, leak a story, put a picture out there, get morons in the media to repeat it, and then isolate people from the truth. Where were the fact checkers on the whips story? The whips. Remember the story from yesterday? Border Patrol was whipping people at the border. The story is a thousand percent made up. There were no whips. There was no people being whipped. There were Border Patrol agents on horses using reins to steer the horse. But again, liberal media people lie. That's what they do for a living. They're filth. They lie, they lie, they lie. They're disgusting people, okay? Here's what happened. Here we go again. So now the Border Patrol agents are being investigated for the whip incident, even though there was no whip and no incident. Politico, Natasha Karecki, extremely troubling. Investigation launched into border agents on horseback seen chasing migrants. This is unreal. Oh. This is unbelievable. This, you have Border Patrol agents you put in an untenable situation as Joe Biden dissolves the southern border and allows millions of people a year to enter the country totally unvetted. A couple of heroic Border Patrol agents try to stop just a small flow of people at one location. They try to steer a horse to get in front of them to prevent them from invading the United States. And they're now under investigation for a whipping incident that had no whip and no incident. And then you have, he makes a good point. He's like, next we'll learn there was no horse either. The horse was photoshopped in by the media. That'll come next. Now, now Kamala Harris, who is, uh, you know, of course, the worst vice president in United States history at this point. Just, a, again, a disgrace to politicians, everyone. That's saying a lot because politicians are generally a disgrace to everyone in general. Yeah, I'm a little pissed off today, folks. Tired of the BS from the media that could have corrected the story right away. Of course, Kamala Harris, who doesn't have any backbone, has no dignity at all. Kamala Harris is, quote, deeply troubled by images of Border Patrol agents on horseback blocking migrants. Good for the Border Patrol agents that responded. This story is in Fox News. will be up in my newsletter today. Kamala Harris, deeply troubled. Deeply troubled by agents on horseback trying to prevent people from invading the United States. Of course she'd be deeply troubled by that. That's, yeah, that's right. She's the border czar. That's right. She's the, the czar of the border. What a joke. What a joke. All right, back to the show. <clears throat> so like you folks, as you can tell, I'm quite annoyed this morning because if we had an honest media, I'm being candid with you, the country would not be in such the damaged condition it is today. It wouldn't. If we had an honest media that told the truth, Donald Trump would be sitting in the White House because would, people would have realized early how corrupt Joe Biden and his family were, how dangerous this man was would have realized the Border Patrol story was total nonsense. It wouldn't have even been a story because it wouldn't have been reported because there was no story to report. There was no whips and there was no incident. So how do you report a whipping incident with no whip and no incident? And the media is also the reason why people hate this country, why large swaths of liberals, tens of millions of them, legitimately hate this country. They hate you. They hate the country. They hate everything we stand for. Just follow them on social media. I do it all the time. I have a number of blue check marks I follow who hate this country. And I thought to myself, you know, they've weakened the country so much that I'm genuinely afraid. I got a really troubling signal message last night, folks. I was given permission to share with you from someone who's in the know that's deeply afraid that the next 18 months could get really ugly. I mean, really ugly, like depression era ugly. And it scared me because this person is not some ham and egger. Some dopey tomato can. It's a very smart guy. He's not a conspiracy theorist like goofy media people call anyone who tells the truth. And he's really afraid that things are going to get ugly, really ugly. And that the crises could get existential at some point. It worried me. And I thought to myself, what if they weakened us so much 
that we became vulnerable to an invasion. Think about that. Can you imagine, right, if you're one of these college kids and you've never experienced adversity in your life and you're on a college campus at the University of East Tuna Fish or whatever it may be, and you're listening to your ponytail professor Samuel tell you about what garbage the United States is and how we hate minorities here and this place is so terrible and other countries are just so much better and this place is awful. And then imagine some Chinese Communist Party military officer in conjunction with about five or 600 soldiers, walks onto the campus, takes over. They invade the United States. They walk in the classroom, shut down the classroom, send every kid back to their dorm and shut down the food, uh, shut down the, uh, you know, the mess hall there where everyone eats. How long do you think it would be before panic would set in? A day, two days? I mean, what's the old expression? We're only four missed meals away from chaos? Think about if that happened, right? Now, the likelihood of that is minuscule. I actually heard the words pronounced minuscule, but <laughs> I took a verbal advantage class. Wasn't it? But we'll leave that for another day. The chances of that happening are minuscule. But just imagine, I live in Martin County, Florida. A Chinese Communist Party official taking over all your town halls, military people on every corner, all of a sudden, telling you what you can and can't do, what you can say, what you can't say, who's allowed to go to work and who's not. All of a sudden, things would change, wouldn't they? You'd start to look back and say, my gosh, that country I so reviled. I was told by Samuel, the ponytail college professor, while he was smoking a doobie, it was so terrible. I missed that place. That place was actually pretty great. Well, I don't fear a national invasion because of the body of waters. It's not impossible, but it's the chances, thankfully, are, are infinitesimally small. We still have a fantastic military. I do fear the persistent weakening of our country that makes those conditions more likely by the day. And I wonder if, sadly, a renewed sense of patriotism will only come after the country completely collapses and we fight back. Completely collapses and we fight back. I wonder that. I mean, think about all these 18-year-olds who stormed the beaches of Normandy who saw up close and personal the dangers of fascism and totalitarian control. You think they came back crapping on the United States? No. They probably kissed the ground they landed on. I will never forget the first time I came back from an overseas trip as a young Secret Service agent. I'd never been overseas in my life. My first trip was to Russia, no less. I came back to Andrews Air Force Base at the time before it was JBA, and man, I kissed the ground when I got off that plane. My gosh, it's the greatest country on earth. All right, moving on. Proven to you that the leftist totalitarian impulse to increase the size and power of government uh, and that the, this impulse is a source of destruction, not prosperity. That government destroys lives. Government is a source of destruction outside of our military our court system and the constitutional role of government, its police powers at the state level. Outside of that, government is a source of destruction. It has always been a source of destruction. The people are the source of prosperity. Americans, not its government. There's a great piece. Now, I typically don't put links to the Wall Street Journal in my show notes because it's subscription only. I'm taking a chance with this one because the article is so worth your time. It's by Jason Riley. It's called The Destructive Legacy of the Great Society. And the numbers, folks, are so compelling about how when government gets involved in the affairs of free entrepreneurial citizens, government becomes not just a source of destruction, but widespread cataclysmic destruction. What bothers me about Democrats is they sell government to you as a source of prosperity. I mean, that, that's obviously false by any thinking person. The government can't do for you what you can't do for yourself. That's just impossible. But it's not that that's the problem. It's a government's not only not a source of prosperity, it's a, it is quite literally a source of destruction. The numbers are everywhere. Read this data here from Jason Riley's piece. Liberals view a larger welfare state as an unalloyed good. But what's the track record? What's the evidence that government's a source of prosperity? He goes on. Entitlement programs by the government were dramatically expanded in the 60s in the service of a war on poverty. Yet what are the numbers? 
Poverty fell at a slower rate after the Great Society initiatives, the War on Poverty, were implemented. And overall dependency on the government for food, shelter, and other basic necessities increased. To the younger kids listening to the show who are being told by ponytailed Samuel smoking a bowl in the classroom how government's a source of prosperity in their lives, where are you getting that from? I'm serious. I'm not trying to insult you. Where are you getting that from? As government has increased its war on poverty, dependence on the government, poverty's gone up, not down. Where are you getting this from? It should be no surprise to you when government pays people to not work, more people don't work and become poor because they don't develop the life skills to develop wealth. Why is this surprise? What is complicated about this? The worst part about this, this piece is worth your time. It's impacted minorities the worst. So the Great Society War on Poverty scions who have told us, oh, we're in this to the, the, the help the underprivileged and we're, you know, racism, we're going to help minority groups, have actually done the most damage to minority groups. Government is a source of destruction. Everything it touches, it burns to the ground. That's why I left. Quote number two from the Riley piece. Listen to this. Between 1940 and 1960, the percentage of black families living in poverty declined by 40 points as blacks increased their years of education and migrated from poorer rural areas to more prosperous urban environs in the South and North. No welfare program has ever come close to replicating that rate of black advancement, which predates affirmative action programs that often receive credit for creating the black middle class. Moreover, what we experienced in the wake of the great society interventions, it's a war on poverty, was slower progress or outright retrogression. Black labor force participation rates fell. Black unemployment rates rose. And the black nuclear family disintegrated. In 1960, when the war on poverty began, folks, fewer than 25% of black children were being raised by a single mother. Yet within four decades, it was more than half. I ask you again, folks, what evidence do you have? I'm just asking you a sane, sound, common sense question. If you believe government is a source of prosperity, then why isn't the government a source for prosperity? Why have we retrogressed? Why? Why? That's not progression. That's retrogression. Why don't you see that? Do you believe in data? It's very simple. It's because government paying people not to work using the people's money that they take from them via taxes incentivizes people not to work and develop any life skills. Is this complicated? I'm serious. Is this hard to understand? That's why I became a conservative. I didn't become a conservative because I realized government programs didn't work. No, I'm not kidding. I became a conservative because I, I found out harshly through a clockwork orange eyes open moment that not only they don't work, but they destroy people's lives. Generations of people savaged by the destructive power of government. Yeah, that's right. All right, I want to get to this uh, piece of uh, video here. Yeah, let's do it here. So this morning I was watching Fox and Friends, uh, Steve Ducey and uh, Brian Kilmeade and Ainsley. And they had a guest on, a guy who took a principled stand and left the college because the college had become an indoctrination factory. He's an author as well. His name is Peter Bogosian. Forgive me if I'm saying his name wrong. He was on this morning, though, know, and he was talking about a new study on college campuses. And for you parents out there, pay very close attention to what I'm about to say. I'm having this situation right now. My daughter's getting ready to go to college, folks, and I am terrified. So is producer Jim from the, uh, from the radio show. We're all terrified about what's happening to our kids in colleges. The study's devastating. The first part of the study states the obvious, that colleges have become indoctrination camps and kids, kids become more liberal. But the second part is troubling. That not only do they become more liberal, they become more certainly liberal. In other words, they become almost immune to counterarguments. That's how effective the indoctrination on college campuses is now. I want you to listen to Peter Bogosian on Fox and Friends, who's an expert in this topic, talking about this this morning. Please check this out. Regarding this research, what do you think is the headline from it? 
I think the takeaway is that when people go to the universities, it's not the same university it was even five or 10 years ago. These are indoctrination camps, and they're indoctrination camps into a very specific set of beliefs. And the longer you're there, the more certain you become in your moral attitudes. Well, that's a problem. Not only are your kids being indoctrinated to be liberals, but they're being indoctrinated to close themselves off to counter-information. So what do we do about it? Anyone can complain on a show. Boo-hoo, poor me, right? Folks, a lot of you out there are very wealthy. A lot of, and that's great. You know, I'm a capitalist. Uh, congratulations on your success in life. You are uh, the bedrock of America, creating wealth and jobs and entrepreneurship. But many of you donate to your alumni associations and your colleges, and I understand that. But I'm asking you as a friend to the movement and the cause to stop doing that. Stop doing it until, and he's for the big donors. I, they, they, you can make a difference. Stop doing it. Send them a, a letter and staple a $1 bill to the letter and say, Dear University of East Tuna Fish, I have given you millions of dollars over the years. Um, that gravy train is now over. I will continue my donations when in your schools of journalism and your sociology departments and your humanities departments, you start to engage in ideological diversity and hire some conservative. You can change. You can change this immediately. You know who you are. You give, you're very generous. You give a lot of money. And I know that's what you want to do. And I understand that. You have, a lot of folks have a very generous heart to them. And they think they're doing good. Scholarship programs. Um, listen, you, you may be getting some scholarships. It's not all bad. But you should stop donating to them. I don't. I don't donate anything. I don't. I, I, I could, but I don't. Not until they can prove to me that they're ideologically diverse and hire conservatives on campus. You should do the same. It's way past time. Okay. Uh, let me get to my last spot. On the other side of this spot, Ron DeSantis strikes again. This is one of the best hires I've ever seen. You know the golden rule, right, of politics. People are policy, folks. The left understands that. I'll explain that in a second. The guy he just hired is magic. Coming up in a second. So, ladies and gentlemen, Ron DeSantis strikes again. Ron DeSantis hired as the new Florida state surgeon general, a guy by the name of Joseph Ladapo. He is a medical doctor trained at Harvard and a PhD, um, you know, comparing his medical bona fides to a bunch of 18 year old journalists writing for bloggers is obviously hilarious, but the journalists have attacked Ron DeSantis's latest hire, the surgeon general of Florida, because he said this during a briefing yesterday where he brought up actual science and, you know, journalists are too stupid to figure that out. Check this out. Talk to the governor and there are a few things that we're going to keep in mind as we approach public health here. We are in- Florida will completely reject fear as a way of making policies in, uh, in public health. So we're done with fear. We're going to be very explicit about the differences between the science and our opinions. Goal. And this idea that, you know, people don't get to make their own decisions, uh, you know, on issues of health related to their own, their own personal health is, um, is, 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 is wrong. And it's, um, and it's not something that we're going to be about. Uh, there are good reasons to reject lockdowns. There are a lot of after lockdowns, overall mortality increase. Lockdowns are bad, but we need to respect human rights that, you know, people do have autonomy over their lives. And it's not okay to, it's not even not okay, but it's not, it's not virtuous and it's not right to just sort of take away those rights from individuals. So vaccines are up to the person. There's nothing special about them compared to any other preventive. preventive. The state should be promoting good health. And vaccination isn't the only path to that. It's been treated almost like a religion. That's just senseless, right? There are lots of good ways to, good pathways to, to health. And vaccination is not the only one. Oh my gosh, I love this guy. I, right? Yes, yes, Gee, thank you. That's the first time Gee's initiated a round of applause. He never does that. He waits for me. That is a Gee-initiated round of applause. I love this guy. Jim, producer Jim, can we get this guy on a radio show? Joseph Ladapo, Harvard-trained medical doctor and PhD who says, and you're not allowed to say this, Armacost. You know this. The media goes crazy. You know, an 18-year-old blogger for the New York Times. He definitely knows more than an MD, PhD from Harvard. 
He says, listen, you know, fear is not a policy. Oh, you're definitely not allowed to say that. The media specializes in fear point. Lockdowns, he challenges the lockdowns. You can't do that. Freedom, he talks about freedom and rights and how vaccines are not the only path out of this thing. You're not allowed to say any of that. The 18-year-old journalist, right, at the New York Times have already told us that is beyond the bounds of good behavior, doctor. I know more than you. I'm 18. I failed basic chemistry 101. I couldn't hack it in sociology, so therefore I went to journalism, graduated with a D, and now I'm editor-in-chief of the New York Times. I definitely know better than you, you dunce. We got to get him on the radio show. Man, do I love this guy. Oh, my gosh. you That's a good point. He said, imagine if we had him instead of Fauci. That could be possible. Huh. That could be possible if we elect a Republican uh, president in 2024. You may get a guy like this who speaks the truth. So, of course, the media went after him today. And the fact that uh, he's black probably bothers the media even worse because they want to accuse him of racism. And not that they can't do that anyway. Him being black doesn't mean they'll accuse him of anything. But it makes it just a little bit harder. While we're on the topic of the Rona, here's a new uh, JAMA study, Journal of the American Medical Association. This will be banned immediately. Just came out in the beginning of September, September 2021. But there's this weird thing. Watch this, folks. Whenever I highlight a scientific study that uses actual science that goes up and runs up against a leftist narrative, the study's then retracted. So go, listen, the study's bongino.com slash newsletter. The link is right there in my newsletter. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Print this today because it will be retracted, I assure you. JAMA cannot have actual science up when it conflicts with leftist media narratives. I mean, the New York Times, the 18-year-olds at the New York Times told them this is unacceptable. So this is more evidence of child abuse, this study that would, uh, you know, systemic child abuse to our kids by liberals. The association between school closures and child mental health during COVID-19. Read this. Here's a screenshot from the piece. Folks, I assure you, this will probably be retracted immediately. In this study of school closures, with at least one, and it studied 2,324 adults with at least one school-aged child, there was a small association between school closures and worse child mental health outcomes, with older children and children from families with lower income experiencing more mental health problems associated with school closures. I thought they were in it for the young kids and the poor kids. Children from families with lower income and those belonging to minority and racial and ethnic groups were most likely to experience school closures. I thought they were in it for the minorities, too. I heard that. Didn't they tell us that once? It goes on. The findings suggest older and black and Hispanic children, as well as children from families with lower incomes who attended school remotely, may experience disproportionate mental health difficulties. Study will probably be retracted by the end of the day after my podcast goes public and the millions of you watch it. Print it. Print it now before it's pulled down. So with no evidence whatsoever that school closures have done anything to mitigate the effects of this pandemic, but a lot of evidence building that young, older, and minority and lower income students are suffering a mental health crisis from this, they'll continue doing it anyway. Why? Because the left is just infatuated with child abuse these days. Masking two-year-olds, torturing kids, keeping them out of school, destroying their education. That's you. If you're a leftist, that's you. That's you. That you hear me? That's you. You are in love with abusing kids these days, and it's disgusting. It's disgusting. You gross me out. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want you in my state. I don't want you anywhere near me. You disgust me. The evidence is piling up by the day that you are systemically abusing children, and you celebrate it because you are sick, satanic death cult people. That's why. You don't like it? Go F yourself. Sorry. Yeah, I said it, and I'll say it again. You're not abusing kids on my watch. You know exactly what you're doing, and you do it anyway because you're filth. (sighs) All right. So on a lighter note, but not so much lighter note, I I sent this uh, clip over this morning to Gee, and he gets it because sometimes I don't tell him what's coming over, and he's like, oh, the hot take we've all anxiously been awaiting. Joy Reid, who can manage to racialize anything, even the tragic death of a young lady like Gabby Petito. You can racialize that? Oh, Joy Reid can. You know, Joy Reid's not capable of thinking of anything else. After all, her homophobic blog posts, which she alleges were hacked. Joe, any update on that? 
Still ah, nothing from the FBI? Nothing, nothing. She said the FBI was investigating. Nothing. How long have you been at this now? Three months? Oh, and yeah. And you've still got yeah. nothing? Did lots of work, dude. Yeah. Are you billing us the overtime for this? I'm just checking. Uh, is it? Is it? Are you racking up the hours I, on I, this? I probably should at this point, yes, to keep it caught You up. should. Yeah, it's, it's getting a little much. You were doing it out of the kindness of your heart, but I understand. It's, you know, it's a relationship we have in this business, and you should be compensated for your time. Joe's on this. You know, Joy Reid uh, posted a bunch of homophobic blog posts. She says it was hacked, and she's got the FBI investigating. That was a couple of years ago. We've received no update about uh, Joy Reid's homophobic blog. But Joy Reid has a hot take on the Gabby Petito tragic disappearance, managing to make it about missing white woman syndrome. No, no, no. That's not a sick joke. This is, this is really her take. Check this out. If you've been watching the news for the past few days or on Twitter or, or TikTok, you're probably familiar with the name Gabby Petito, the 22-year-old aspiring social media influencer who was reported missing after her fiancé returned from their van life excursion without her. On Sunday, human remains believed to be Petitos were found in a national park in Wyoming. An autopsy is scheduled for tomorrow to confirm the identity. Now, it goes without saying that no family should ever have to endure that kind of pain. And the Petito family certainly deserve answers and justice. But the way this story has captivated the nation has many wondering, why not the same media attention when people of color go missing? Well, the answer actually has a name. Missing white woman syndrome. Oh, my gosh. You know, guys, I thought of this. Joe Gee, pay attention here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a shame if only Joy Reid had a platform to talk about black women who were missing and make it a national. If only. Oh, wait, that's that is Joy Reid's platform. It's the Joy Reid platform on the Joy Reid show on the Joy Reid network, MSNBC. If she she, you know, what's so funny? Joy Reid is so stupid Joy Reid doesn't even realize the irony of having a show on a national television network that does get some viewers, not a lot, but gets some. She doesn't even realize the irony that she hasn't covered these stories at all and is covering the story of a white woman missing while claiming it's racist because it's missing white woman syndrome. This has to be. Do you have the picture of her with the gold? This has to be. There she is. There she's coming up. Joy Reid with the gold medal, of course. She earned it in the dopey media talking head Olympics. And now you know why. She doesn't even see the irony of her own story. If I only had a platform, only had a platform to put out stories about black women who were missing. My name is Joy Reid. Hey, there's a show out there called eponymously named the Joy Reid Show. How did they find someone named Joy Reid to host the Joy Reid Show? My gosh. <laughs> What a bozo. She earned it, man. He <laughs> says she's the champ. She earned it. She earned, I don't see her being dislodged anytime soon. I really don't. How we had her so long lapping Stelter is just it's a disappointment. It's a failure on our part. The judging was off. I'm sorry. I have to apologize. All right. Don't miss my radio show today. Uh, Bill O'Reilly is going to be the guest. That should be interesting. I haven't spoken to Bill in a long time. Bill O'Reilly. Check that out. That's at the top of the second hour. And be sure to subscribe to my Rumble account, rumble.com slash Bongino. I hate the word subscription. It sounds like there's money involved. It is free. Just click the subscribe button. We're almost at 2 million subscribers and watch the videos of the podcast. He always throws some nice visuals in there for us. Thanks for tuning in. See you on the radio show in a little bit. You just heard Dan Bongino.